This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. We're here today with David Sue and Saikat Chaudhry to discuss two recent shakeups in the tech sector. Steve Jobs stepping down as CEO of Apple, and HP announcing that it's considering selling or spinning off its PC business. Um, could both of you talk to me a little bit about what you think will be the short and long-term impacts of each of these events? David, why don't you start? Well, that's a broad, broad question. I think that the um, from from the standpoint of of Apple, I guess I'll speak about Apple first. This is a big loss with regard to uh, kind of the visionary. And creative side of uh, of the company, um, as well as someone who really paid attention to the details. Uh, luckily, they had a very kind of uh, forward-looking strategy with regard to developing their iOS um, operating system for their mobile devices, and I think that's going to pave the path forward uh, with regard to ongoing development. In the short term, I would see that kind of uh, continuing along with some of the relationships with the media content providers. Obviously, that's going to be instrumental, um, as well as with the application developer community. In the long term, in order to kind of sustain shareholder expectations and company growth, there, and meanwhile, of course, com- competition's not standing still, Tim Cook and others, ex- top executives at Apple, will have to kind of uh, think about the next revolution in this space and how to kind of get ahead of that curve. Um, I guess those are my preliminary comments on Apple and HP. And this is a company that's been in some trouble. Uh, it's a company that, if you, if you think about its natural competitors as, say, IBM or, say, an Oracle, this is HP has kind of been slow at uh, developing the enterprise side of their business. They're now just realizing that uh, the computer side of the business is more of a commodity-like product, something that IBM realized quite some time ago. And I th- so I think I see the challenge as really trying to uh, kind of parlay different niches in the enterprise space and what they're good at. HP has traditionally been good at into some of those, those domains. Uh, of course, I could elaborate on those. Uh, in a little bit. To add to um, what David has been saying, I think that the challenges need to be seen and the impacts need to be seen at the strategic and organizational levels. I think that um, the contrast couldn't be uh, more stark. You know, I think that Apple has been very successful and everyone wishes that Steve Jobs could have continued for perhaps ever, um, even though it's a long time, whereas HP was, um, as David mentioned as well, struggling for some time. I think um, the test is going to be in how the transitions are managed. You know, for, for Apple, clearly the market was shocked, even though they were expecting this to happen sooner or later. The health concerns were known for some time, and, and um, but the problem is Apple has not been re- revealing much information. I think the real question there is going to be, can or has Apple been able to essentially codify their innovation machine uh, and make it into something sustainable? Or was it really all tacitly embedded in the aura, personality, and actions of Steve Jobs? 
Um, and um, if they've been able to create uh, another leadership team and build the rest of the organization, build a culture, but also the processes to be able to sustain that innovation, I think Apple will be fine. But that's the real open question at the moment. And for HP, I see it as two dimensions that they need to think about in their um, transformation, which really begun maybe 10 years ago. I mean, Carly Fiorina tried to jumpstart the engine, uh, did a merger that didn't uh, work so well. And I think there the question becomes, uh, if we look at two dimensions, one is to what extent should HP emphasize um, software versus hardware? And the second becomes perhaps, um, to what extent should the company emphasize services versus products? Clearly, it's been a hardware-oriented, product-oriented company in the past. And uh, managing that transition, um, not just the strategy, but the internal organization and delivering on that will be very, very difficult to do, I think. Um, could you could you both talk to me a little bit about some specific steps that each company could take in order to strengthen its outlook for the future? David? I'll spe again, speak with <clears throat> about Apple first. Uh, I mentioned before that I think that one of the keys is extending the platform that they've built already, but also <clears throat> making sure that they have, <clears throat> excuse me, the content on a forward-looking basis as well as the developer community invested there. Now, with the rise of alternative channels by which these providers uh, can harness, that's going to put some, some pressure uh, on Apple, even though, of course, they have a huge installed base, uh, which gives them a fair amount of bargaining power. So in my view, they have to uh, not only iterate well on, on the hardware side and the software side that connects these, but also be mindful that there are just a deluge of competitors that are going to be offering the content providers better deals. And so how to navigate that kind of bargaining game um, with both the content providers as well as as the uh, software application developers as well. On, on the HP situation, this is, I think, a little bit more complicated. You think about the traditional strengths of the company. You think about uh, the imaging or the printer divisions. They've announced this acquisition of um, autonomy, uh, which I, I believe is, is motivated more about the decision to get into the database space, and I think the reports indicate that the aspiration is to try to integrate less structured data into, into the company. And so I would think that one of the high priorities would be able to somehow think about the synergies between their strength in the, in the, on the printer side and the kind of the software associated with imaging and as companies both convert their legacy kind of physical documents into electronic documents, how to capture that value as well as on an ongoing basis as more electronic documents are being produced, how to kind of raise the, the, the analytics that can be done um, at the enterprise level. And, of course, that is a space that's crowded. IBM, Oracle, and others uh, surely are in the space, um, and it's is this recognition that you have to kind of look ahead to see where the, the value is going to be. Second. Uh, in addition, I think that the imperative for both companies is to convince all the stakeholders, whether the markets or the employees, the customers, 
that the leadership, and it's new leadership in both cases, really, that's orchestrating these uh, activities, that they have a clear vision in place and are capable of, of uh, delivering on that. I mean, clearly in, in Cook's case, he has to show that, you know, yes, the charismatic, detail-oriented, yet visionary Steve Jobs is no longer there, but we have the organization in place, the leadership in place to actually continue and, as you rightly pointed out, David, to actually expand on the offerings to make us sustainably successful in the future. Um, and that could come in a variety of ways. I mean, um, one would be simply to give um, some indications about what those new initiatives might be. And there you could benefit a little bit. I'm sure that Steve Jobs has given a few or, or will be giving a few more uh, inputs for the immediate future, and you could benefit and smoothen that transition. Uh, I think on uh, HP's side, you know, there was a healthy dose of Apotheker right at the beginning when he was appointed. You know, why this person? Um, but uh, perhaps, you know, um, what he needs to do is now demonstrate his operational prowess because apparently that's what he's strong at um, despite his um, mixed uh, run at SAP previously. And so I think, you know, what he can perhaps do is, um, based on the acquisitions, you know, like autonomy and before that EDS, really if he can craft a vision and show what will the HP of the future look like, because I still haven't seen that. You know, we're still waiting for that since his appointment. And here's how we're going to change the organizational culture in order to match that, which we've tried before, but here's why we'll be successful this time. I think those are two uh, important activities they need to do to really build that legitimacy and credibility um, while at the same time actually changing the strategy and the organizations to match that. Mm -hmm. And now both of you have mentioned competitors, and I guess that brings me to my next question. I mean, if you're a competitor of one of these two companies, and I would think it's pretty safe to say that most of the big tech companies are a competitor of one, if not both. I mean, what what are what what are some possible actions that competitors can take, or that you could see competitors taking in the future to kind of capitalize on these two events? I think for one, um, whenever there's change, um, it takes some time for companies undergoing that change to convince everyone that that change is good or will be successful. So I think in the interim, others can can maybe vouch for continuity. So if I look at the, um, say, tablet market with Samsung and Galaxy Tab, um, which has done fairly well in the Asian market, um, moderately well in Europe, though they have a court case going on and an injunction in place at the moment, um, but is not so successful here. Perhaps that's one angle um, to approach this for stronger branding. But really, they too ultimately will need to come up with new innovative products and services. And um, and then, you know, the image part, you know, work on that, saying that they're a strong machine. Uh, I don't think a negative campaign, let's say, would be uh, very, very beneficial or bring them uh, bring them much gain. I think in terms of HP's competitors, one of the questions arises, who are they exactly? And it depends on how HP defines itself, right? I mean, if they're in the PC business, they've, they've thought about Dell for a while. Now they're thinking about getting out of that. On the services side, they've thought about challenging IBM, but they were always a product-oriented company, you know? So it's been tough for them. Maybe with EDS, they, they have a bit more of that, also vis-a-vis -vis Accenture. Um, and then they have uh, other competitors in the data space, for example, and networking space and so forth. And I think um, you know, in their individual niches, the other competitors will continue to do what they're doing, probably watch, wait and watch and see what direction it takes. But I, as a competitor, would, would actually observe first what's going on without going all out because um, uh, I don't think there's an immediate gain to be had. David? Just, <clears throat> I, I think that the tablet side, and more generally the kind of post-PC um, environment is one in, in which there's increasing recognition, both at the kind of annual rates of growth 
level, but what's required to really compete there? And of course, you've got really the the Android platform is the major competitor to what Apple offers, and certainly there's a, a fair amount of momentum there in the smartphone market. I think it's the results have been mixed so far on the tablet market, but certainly an upward trajectory there. And so I would see that as a threat to the Apple um, platform. I, I think in addition, there's this whole, from Apple's standpoint, this whole space of penetrating the business market. Uh, you know, certainly they've done great in their, uh, on the consumer side. Uh, but in terms of, and this is obviously where HP is tr- trying to go, except maybe Apple's further along their trajectory with their set of products, is what's going to be commodified next? Um, and I think there's been a recent uh, kind of set of spotlight on the, the patent portfolios here, and I think that feeds into uh, what's protectable uh, over what time horizon and how to really appropriate the returns uh, from from innovation or creative effort. And so I see the competitors really kind of rallying behind Android um, and trying to differentiate. It's it's somewhat hard to do that on the hardware side. But that seems to be the opening. There's for sure going to be some further shakeout in that particular category. Um, and certainly with the kind of rate... The, the the demand um, and the power that's displayed on the, the, the these post kind of personal computer devices, I think that's going to be an area that's going to be very difficult to ignore, notwithstanding the exit of HP having bought the kind of Palm Web OS. Uh, that to me seemed a little bit of an opportunity to differentiate, obviously on the kind of desktop computer side and the acquisition of Compact perhaps less room for growth. And so uh, in my view, kind of the CEO of HP has really lost quite a major battle and and the kind of 20% stock price drop after the shift in strategy, I think, reflects this. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see, as many have have speculated, uh, you know, whether he's going to to last much longer. Now, I know um, when HP decided, one of the other recent moves by HP has been to drop, they dropped the touchpad, their tablet, from production, and they also sold what they had left in kind of a fire sale for $99. I mean, do you feel like HP kind of, I mean, was consumer interest in that more on the price, or does it show that maybe HP missed out on an opportunity there? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, certainly there's, it's hard to understand exactly what drove that enthusiasm. Maybe it's, I want to kind of show my grandkids that, hey, this is what you know, before a dominant design, the uh, iPad really looked like this is <laughs> these are the alternatives, or it's just a, a very. I mean, obviously, that's quite a cut rate price when the alternative is five hundred to eight hundred dollars for for an iPad with some of the the functionality. Um, uh, it, it's hard for me to know. I don't know in detail uh, that particular product, um, but certainly in a there, there's room for. Lots of, I think, innovation. And I think we're still in the early stages of this category in terms of how people interact both at the consumer and at the business level. And yes, Apple has a commanding lead in this particular space, but the growth rates, at least if you kind of take a look at the smartphone market of the, the Android platform, that has been, I think, now is overtaking the kind of Apple platform. And 
I think there's this degree of customization. I mean, it goes back to this old debate of how open versus closed should the product be. And of course, Apple's benefited from that because of the of Steve Jobs kind of letting us know as consumers what we should be what we, we should be interested in. And as Shaikat had said before, well, can that be sustained over time, particularly in these new product categories and the evolution of these of these categories? There's going to be incremental advance in each of these uh, in each of these specifications, but on a kind of long-term basis, there's going to be a huge amount of innovation. I think as it um, as as the these hardware devices interface with information of all kinds um, that can be harnessed by consumers of all kinds. And so I think there's quite a bit of innovation left to go in this particular product category. I would agree. And in fact, I would say that we haven't even defined the product categories or we don't know what will last. You know, we have this, what we observe is uh, there is uh, the PC and the phone were somewhat distinct devices. And then, and then we had smartphones, which came into the picture. We had netbooks as um, some perhaps alternatives. Um, and we have tablets now, you know. And, and, uh, and in some sense, there's convergence amongst them as well. They're competing category versus category in addition to within each of these categories. So I think, like you're rightly saying, that evolution isn't even completed. I, I don't know whether we still we don't have dominant designs within each category yet. And we don't even have um, the resolution of those categories. So I think there's, I completely agree that there's tremendous innovation to be had. What's also interesting is that we can't forget that there's a lot of um, transformation and change happening in the industry across the sectors broadly as well, right? And, and so these are not the only companies that are affected, but potential competitors are too. So, you know, with Motorola's uh, mobility unit being bought by Google, for instance, clearly they're now uh, looking for a way to enter these markets much more strongly, especially on the smartphone side. Um, and then let's see what happens with Microsoft and Nokia. Both of them have been struggling Clearly, um, some argue this marriage will, uh, it's an alliance at the moment, but perhaps could lead up to something else. So this potential um, partnership might be the solution because um, the reason they couldn't individually succeed is they were missing one piece, you know, whether it's the software on one side, the hardware on the other. I think that's still an open question because you can also be more skeptical and say that, well, two struggling companies coming together isn't necessarily going to produce the complementarities that they need to succeed. But let's see if there are the complementarities. So I think given all of that, right, there's a lot of activity. There are a lot of changes taking place. Um, and I think that point about the users, you know, that Steve Jobs also was making Technology push versus pull is a traditional debate, you know, and uh, um, and network externalities and, and effects and how do they work open versus closed systems. I think these are all, we're in a world of experimentation right now. You know, we're seeing what works, what doesn't. Some, I raised eyebrows when Apple squeezed its suppliers so much recently, right, with the recent contracts where they took 30%, I believe, commission essentially. Um, does that mean their little ecosystem might at some point collapse? Uh, not at the moment, but if a credible alternative comes up, then perhaps that might force some uh, some questions. But I think, so, you know, other competitors have also have a long way to go, um, just like these companies amidst their changes. So I think it'll be an exciting time um, to see all this churn. Right. 
And that actually kind of brings me to my next question. I mean, you've both talked a lot about innovation. I know, I mean, we've written about it a couple of times and I've seen it as people have been covering jobs departure that, you know, it, for a long time it's been Apple has introduced kind of the next big thing and then other companies have sort of followed introducing their version of that next big thing. With jobs, I mean, I guess he's, I, from what I've read, he's still going to be in the picture in terms of the short term because he's had a hand in developing what they'll be introducing. But, I mean, looking farther out, I mean, how does his departure from that innovation cycle affect, I mean, affect the entire sector's innovation? Psychot? Uh, I think um, it will certainly have a short-term impact because what Jobs was good at is trying to come up with new product categories and redefining the product. Uh, I think we have to credit him for that, With the uh, whether it's on the phone side or on the tablet side. I mean, he's really been doing a lot of effort um, to promote innovation on that front. I think that being said, there's also an ecosystem which has been created. And David, you were alluding to this right at the beginning, that it's not just individual companies now that do innovation. There are ecosystems that are in place. Um, sometimes it's in the form of suppliers, other times in the form of uh, potential of startups which might be acquired, other times in, in the form of outsourcing partnerships. And that ecosystem promotes a lot of innovation. So I think setting those platforms, those uh, perhaps standards, if they're not quite standards or dominant designs yet, but at least platforms on which innovation can occur and getting the right players involved, I think that's a big step in promoting innovation. Um, so clearly, you know, we will feel the loss uh, of uh, Steve Jobs in some way, perhaps. But I'm hoping that the ecosystem is also developed far enough that uh, we can also pick up some of the threads and that we will give some uh, some guidance. You know, and one way to look at it is Steve Jobs has been placing a number of bets uh, and he's been right on all of them in his recent tenure. But even if you look at his first innings, if you will, at the company, it wasn't quite as strong. Um, you know, it's time to move towards, I think, more systematic approaches to the innovation and, and codifying that knowledge and trying to move in that direction. And of course, we need the creative spice from all these uh, visionaries uh, every once in a while. Um, but we can't just bank on that. So I'm hoping the ecosystems are, are going to develop further and, and new insights are going to spring up as well. David? Yeah, I'll just add, uh, just to build on what Shaikat has said, I, I think that part of what can happen with regard to innovation is firm starts pursuing leads that based on platforms that they didn't know had existed before. To, so to illustrate, you know, before the iPod, we had album sales and we had, you know, illegal album sales. And that kind of deconstruction of an album into purchasable songs really kind of paved the way for that, for that industry much like in the kind of book worlds, I think at our, even at our home, kind of Wharton Publishing, kind of moving to an all-digital press and thinking about what, const, what does a book really mean, thinking about page, you know, the old definition of page length, the kind of written word, the physical word, et cetera. Well, it turns out that we can be highly creative and innovative in many different ways. And if you take a look at the early incarnations of what, say, the magazines are doing on tablet PCs, there's a little bit of that, or even in the textbook space, the, the electronic textbook space. There's different ways in which people can interact with media. Uh, that can be media-rich, multimedia, different ways to kind of uh, communicate ideas that are now being unleashed. And so I think that we have, of course, this kind of more radical version of new devices, new platforms, but I think there's 
also a quite a bit of latitude for individual sector level innovations that can really uh, kind of revolutionize the way that we interact with different media of all types. And could you talk to me a little bit about, I mean, for each of these companies, I mean, what type of leadership does each company need right now? David, why don't you start? Well, since we haven't been talking about HP as much, I, I think uh, let, let's start, let's certainly talk about them. You know, this is a space in which I, I think that, you know, if we think about, we talked about competitors of HP in the past, and certainly there's different segments of that. But if we think about the, the enterprise space, particularly business services, which is where there's been a great deal of of uh, kind of speculation as to what different competitors are going to do, kind of building a bit on what I was alluding to before, there's a lot of legacy data that businesses have. And whether it's a kind of orchestration of a supply chain or understanding unstructured data that's even contained within business units of a large multi-divisional, multi-kind of geographic firm, those are not easy tasks. And I think there's a lot of room for innovation in terms of the algorithms that we use to, to get that data, the analytics that we can do on, on those data, how we can harness those data at all levels of the supply and value chain. And my sense is that for HP, it's a delicate balancing act. On the one hand, you've got the cash cow type of businesses in which you know, they've been great. And even kind of on their PC business, they were, you know, relative to competitors, they weren't as kind of sparkling. But certainly there's a business call in terms of what type of, you know, returns do we need to kind of keep up with shareholder expectations and to et cetera. And so there was a, a, this, this judgment call about, you know, now that we've bought the WebOS and, and Palm to kind of, it's a bold move to, to kind of really abandon that. And um, my sense is that the leadership there has to really kind of go back to, to the roots of uh, kind of, really understand the fundamentals of what is the competitive space, where's the comparative advantage, what was missing that the other um, incumbents in the enterprise space are not doing a good job of, and how can we, in some sense, revolutionize, just as, say, Steve Jobs did in a different category, in, in a different category here, how can we change the rules of the game so that it benefits us? And, of course, that's no easy task to do, but it does take uh, some kind of visionary leadership. And as Shaikot alluded to before, it can't be kind of a flip-flop strategy because you've got a huge organization that you have to really communicate and lead. And so HP is an organization that's trying to kind of shift using both external strategies, a la the kind of acquisition route, but also internally. And so those choices about where to place the bets, that requires some strong leadership in terms of strategic direction. I, got. Uh, I would agree with that. And um, uh, to expand on some of those points a little bit, I think that the challenge between, uh, before both leaders is to establish the credibility that they can transform their respective organizations. In Apple's case, 
I think Cook needs to show that he too has new creative ideas that aren't just Jobs' ideas and um, and do so credibly um, rather than, okay, we have Jobs on, on board for a little while longer, we'll continue with that. He needs to really make his mark saying that, look, I know you saw Steve Jobs out there all the time, but we were and I was doing all kinds of things and here are some of the new things we're planning. And and this can work very successfully or it may not. Um, if, you, if you see, for example, uh, Intel, Andy Grove was the jobs-like figure, essentially. But their COO was the person who was making things happen. And so when they had their successions, you know, yes, the market for chips and so forth had, uh, was troubled, but it was essentially others, um, like Ottolini, for example, who, who made some of these moves. Um, and, um, and that can be one model. I think um, if you look at HP, it's a bit more challenging because HP has been trying to change itself for quite a while and, and nobody's quite gotten it right. You know, we had Carly Fiorina come and then Mark Hurd come and then due to unfortunate circumstances, Mark Hurd having to leave and now another transition and all of them were trying to make their mark. It's become very difficult. I think the other point that you raised which is really interesting is a lot of the innovations in the tech space that both of these companies have been doing, you're right, have been um, associated much more with the consumer space. And yet the enterprise, the corporate space, is where a lot of potential exists. Um, so clearly making that link will, uh, I agree entirely with David, will be very, very essential for these companies to penetrate those markets as well. And that's a challenge before them. Um, and, um, you know, certainly from from the HP perspective, having someone like Apotheker who deals with, has dealt traditionally more with the at SAP, the enterprise side, I think that might be a little bit easier than perhaps for um, Cook. But uh, we don't know enough about Cook and his, uh, and his background or his aspirations um, and his strengths in order to be able to assess that. And I think that final point that uh, is very important in any transformation, I think it's been tough if you don't have some core competencies that you can actually leverage in the new areas, right, as much as you change them. To make a radical, complete departure becomes very, very tough. And so they have to maintain that thread and not just lose themselves amidst something that, uh, that seems very promising, but they're not able to deliver on and implement. Now, do you think that there are things that either of these two leaders can learn from Steve Jobs? And I say that either things that they can do, they can take, they can be inspired by him, or maybe sort of the opposite of inspired, like things they shouldn't do that he did. Um, David, why don't you start? Well, if we think about um, why we hold up Steve Jobs so much, because I think it's because the traditional way in which we kind of arrive at new products has very much been less, you know, what does the consumer think? Let's really kind of pursue um, that tactic. But in order to really come up with the radical innovations, there has to be, I think, some um, personality and, and vision as to what what's going to, what is the world going to look like in, you know, some five, ten years from now. And Jobs has been famous about obsoleting certain features that he has been criticized for. Let's take out the DVD drive, uh, you know, et cetera, before the market is actually ready. But that has helped speed consumer behavior. And uh, perhaps as we think about HP's management challenge or the new Apple's management challenge, you know, there's a sense in which perhaps you could learn or avoid some of the characteristics that uh, 
Jobs has done. But I think it's also important to recognize, you know, these these people are leaders. They have experiences. They're back, unique backgrounds. They're surrounded by themselves with uh, smarts, talented executives. They have to – they're trusted with, I think, using their own judgment. And maybe they can take some inspiration. But I, I do think that they have to play up to their own strengths, their own – you know, this is their their time. It's of course they're going to be. There's going to be numerous comparisons, but they have to. I think what they can take away is this notion of uh, really kind of more forward looking. And then let's not forget about the details. I think that Jobs has been a master at thinking about the design, the interface, uh, the interaction, um, and so I think that those details. And of course, Jobs is the master of perhaps overdoing it, but in some sense, not leaving any of those stones unturned and having a great consumer experience, I think, adds to this aura of of Apple products that kind of uh, has has kind of been rewarded with so much market allegiance. Zaykat, uh, I would actually make this point probably even more strongly. I think it's very risky to try and emulate Steve Jobs. So clearly, neither should do that. Unless you're Steve Jobs, you have that charisma, and people believe you, and, and you can create that type of fan following, I think it's very hard to do that. So I think, like David, like you said, clearly one can draw inspiration. The directions in which he's uh, taken the company have been very, very good. His emphasis on um, also the branding and marketing side, I mean, which is very important because uh, you know, some of us are holding out and not buying an iPad because it doesn't have flash, for example, and it doesn't have a, a USB uh, port that you can directly plug into. But many others are not. Um, and so from a functionality point of view, there may be other devices which might actually be perhaps uh, more useful. And, and so and, and Steve Jobs has demonstrated how you can pull it off, you know, and so. Um, clearly with new visions and people who believe in that that kind of idea. And clearly each of these, you know, whether Cook or Apotica, they come with their own strengths, you know, and, and perhaps their strength might lie a bit more in the implementation side. We hope so, at least, to be able to do this. But obviously they will need some personality, some charisma. Otherwise it's very hard to, um, to invent new product categories or keep up with technological innovation in the kind of world that we live in today, especially given all the changes and convergence that we observe. One angle they might follow, which might distinguish Distinguish them and yet provide a link, uh, especially in view of the theme we were talking about earlier, uh, to penetrate the corporate market more, is thinking about uh, perhaps, well, you know, how is the global corporation changing? The way I see it, we're, we're uh, really seeing the advent of the global disaggregated virtual corporation. And I haven't seen the tools and products yet applied in that context to facilitate collaboration to really allow the seamless tying and usage of capabilities around the world in real time as much as we love to talk about the vision of it. Maybe that's one angle, one hook that they can use to associate themselves with so they keep that alive but transfer some of these ideas to other areas. Um, but uh, I'm sure that they are qualified in their own right and, and they can stand up and, and do that. And if not, then um, there will be other successors who will probably come up and, uh, and take the helm. Great. Well, thank you both so much for talking to us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.